Have you ever wondered how can you keep up with all the technology, all the moving pieces, the constant changes, and how that impacts your business, not only now, but three, five, ten years from now? How can you stay relevant with all that information? Information that can break or make your business? Well, today we have a treat. We have a conversation with Gordon Pelos. He not only worked many years with Texas Instruments, Compact, and Hewlett-Packard, but now he's the chairman of CompTIA, board of directors, and he's going to be talking about how he's making an impact on the next generation of professionals, and most important, what can you do to understand this ever-changing puzzle of technology? You are listening to the Unstoppable Leaders Podcast, the show dedicated to leaders who want to achieve more, do more, become more, and those that are looking for an unfair advantage in all that they do. Each episode will be an interview or a message to unleash the unstoppable leader within you and help you get a slight edge. Leaders are always growing, and this show will be your secret weapon to level up the next stage of your business and life. Your host, a performance excellence expert with LMI Canada, who works with leaders and organizations to realize more of their potential. I give you George Gamboa. Welcome, leaders. Uh, today, we have a pleasure of having with us as a guest, Gordon Pelos. He is the chairman of CompTIA, uh, a board of directors. And uh, right now, he's spending a lot of his time giving back to the community and doing some amazing things for everyone. So we'll talk more about it in, in a few minutes. Uh, welcome, Gordon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jorge. Glad to be here. So why don't we go, uh, uh, and, and something I like to ask uh, most of our guests is, what is the, the, if you look at your professional life, what is the one skill or, or habit or, or something that has allowed you to be as successful as you are today? Well, I think the most important thing, um, whether it's doing an interview like this or whether it's doing a, a quarterly business review or um, a job interview, is, is preparation. And so one of the things that I prided myself on and I've found um, probably a key to success is preparing. And so, um, you know, anticipating the question, you know, what what is the next question going to be? Uh, what is the, you know, being ready to answer that question before it's asked? And so preparing yourself, again, whether it's for a job interview or whether it's for that that business meeting, um, for that those questions and being ready to answer so that you're not um, stuck or you appear that you're ad-libbing the answer. You, you want to be prepared. So um, same thing with, with, with job readiness, um, preparation um, for, for when that opportunity comes along is, is critical. And uh, since preparation is such a big skill, is there something you would have liked to know when you started your career? Well, I think that um, when I, when I began my, my, career or my, my education career, um, I just wanted to get it over with. And, um, and my, my belief was that 
good, this will be over and I can get on with a, a job and the rest of my life. Um, what I learned was that that is not the case. Um, learning is, is, is uh, ever never ending. It's, it's an evolution and you need to continue to learn to progress in your, in your career and to um, stay ahead of the competition. And so um, the one thing I wish I had understood was that I would have uh, put more time into education at the beginning of my career would have made much of the um, um, later part of my career easier um, by, by having that out of the way. Um, because once you start working and you need to go back and further your career, it becomes night school, it becomes weekends, it becomes a burden. So my, my message would be, you know, invest in yourself early. It's easier when you're young. Um, and then it's an, it's a never ending journey of continually topping up that education. Talking about that part, the beginning of your career, how do you get started? And when was your big breakthrough that you said, yeah, I'm on the right path? Well, I, um, I had many summer jobs as a, as a student, as a, as a kid. Um, you know, I did lots, lots of jobs that, you know, I, I, I said after, afterwards, definitely I, that's something I don't want to do for the rest of my <laughs> life. You know, so I worked as a chicken catcher. I worked as a, in a pop bottling plant. I, um, you know, I, I had a, uh, a job that kind of got me on the right, um, track as, in the summer, which was working for an electrician wiring, um, commercial buildings and, and, and some homes. And um, the one thing I recognized very early on that the, as I looked around at the people that were successful was the people that were most successful didn't just have a job that paid $25 an hour or, or whatever, what you're, you know, you looked at and you said, wow, that, that's, that's a good, good wage back in those days. Um, they had a career that was uh, founded on education. And so um, with that uh, electrical exposure, um, I got myself into, um, into moved to Vancouver. I was living in Chilliwack at the time and, uh, w uh, and went to school for electronics. And that got me on the right track. I, I went to work for Texas Instruments, um, went to work for a Texas Instruments VAR, um, went, to, went to another VAR that ended up getting uh, acquired by AT&T. AT&T moved me to Toronto. Um, I had become a manager. Then I had uh, taken over as uh, central region operations manager for AT&T. I left AT&T and went to Scarborough Cable uh, as a regional engineer, uh, ran Scarborough Cable, which was Canada's largest cable television company at the time. And uh, from there, um, you know, progressed and ended up at this little unknown computer company. Well, I should, shouldn't say unknown, but compact computer at the time. And, um, And, and from there ended up at Hewlett Packard. So, um, you know, the career progression, you know, from working for that electrician in the, that, those summers to going to school for electronics to ending up working for Hewlett Packard, uh, working for um, Compact Computer Corporation for 25 years, um, I think uh, got me on the right track. And along that way, How was your, your transition uh, from being uh, what they call individual contributors, where you are mm -hmm. just focused on engineering, to start yeah. managing your team and influencing others? How, yeah. how was that stage in Europe? It was it was difficult. It was uh, it was it was hell because um, 
most training does not prepare you for management. Um, it trains you for financials or it trains you for some technical component. And so as a young manager, the instinct is to let me show you how to do that. Get out of the way. Let me do it for you. Um, and you become, and, and you're impatient. So your, your temptation is to take over and just do it and get it done and show the person. Um, and what I learned is that that is the wrong approach. Um, the right approach is to help the person understand how to do it. You know, there's an old saying, uh, um, give the person a fish. They'll be back, you know, tomorrow, um, teach them to fish. They've got fish for life. Um, and, and that's the, the thing that manager, young managers have a hard time doing. And I had a hard time doing was letting go and trusting and encouraging and supporting and, and not grabbing it and doing it myself. And so I think the, the key learning um, that, I, that I, I gathered and I, there's some people in some uh, organizations along the way that put me through leadership training that, that taught a lot of that. And it was more about strategy and strategic alignment of ensuring that everybody was rowing in the same direction, that the team was all aligned the same way. Because when you're not aligned the same way, um, you're, you're pulling in opposite directions and, and um, you can end up with a lot of inefficiency. And so that took time to learn. And a lot of mistakes were made as, as I went through that. But, um, uh, you know, that's something I'd encourage uh, all young managers to read about, to learn about, um, to think about. And that is um, uh, being, a, being an enabler, being an, an empowerer um, and, and, and being supportive not taking over and demonstrating over and over and over the same the same thing to the same people. Yeah, that, that's very powerful, right? And what about mentors? You mentioned that that there were a few people that were guiding you along the way. Yes, and so that that's very important uh, because network is is everything. I believe um, through your career, there are people that um, you will work with and you will work for and that will work with you that, that are going to um, guide you. And they're, they're, you know, I mentor some people myself and I'm, I'm actually proud to do it. I'm happy to do it. I find it um, a, a huge compliment that they would want me to help, help them, to mentor them, to give them advice. And uh, so throughout the years, there were people that, uh, that, that, that mentored me that um, I could rely on, I could trust for their opinion. But more than that, um, times in my career, um, I found myself out of a job. You know, I was working for um, Scarborough Cable. I had left there to become the general manager of CableNet out in uh, Western Canada. And uh, CableNet, um, Kojiko had sold CableNet to, um, to Shaw. And uh, I found myself out of, a, out of a job. Well, I came back to Toronto and um, I looked up my old uh, boss. And he was working at that little computer company, uh, Compaq. And, um, and he said, well, why don't you come in and, um, you know, we might have something for you. Um, that's, that's everything, um, network. And, uh, you know, that person had been my mentor and had been guiding me for years. And it turned out that that relationship um, got me into um, that job that lasted me the last 25 years of my career. 
Yeah, isn't it funny how no matter what we do or where we go through, it all starts and ends with people. Absolutely. And um, you can never underestimate the value of, of, of people and um, building those relationships along the way. Let's fast forward uh, to, to what you're doing today. Mm-hmm. How did you uh, got involved with CompTIA? Uh, and tell us a little bit about the story. How, 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 that, how did that start? It? Sure. Well, let me tell you a little bit about CompTIA. So CompTIA is the world's largest not-for-profit uh, technology trade association. It's a volunteer association where uh, professionals uh, gather to network, collaborate, learn, share, and to give back. Um, so over 20 years ago, um, a group of us um, in the technology industry um, were invited to a CompTIA meeting in, 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 the, uh, in the U.S. I think it was in Tampa. And a couple of us went. And um, we were invited to join the community. And we, 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 we looked at each other and said, well, you know, this is an American organization. Um, we'd rather create our own Canadian community. And so we founded uh, the Canadian chapter, if you will, of CompTIA. And, um, and there was about a dozen of us um, from Microsoft, Compaq, uh, IBM, Toshiba, um, Next Innovations, uh, or it might have been SHL System House at the time, Decision One, Oki Data. There, there was about a dozen of us. But we, 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 we got agreement from CompTIA. We, we started the Canadian chapter. And so we were, um, there was, there was a, at that time in a U.S. chapter and a Canadian chapter. And um, so I became one of the founding um, members of the Canadian group. Uh, from there, I became the vice chairman, the chairman, ex officio, past chair of the Canadian uh, community, which provided um, opportunity for us to network, which was the most important thing. Uh, we had a place where we would um, come together and we would, we would um, share information. We would, um, we would provide education to the groups. We'd bring in speakers from IDC or Gartner or, um, or one of our organizations, IBM or HP or Compaq, or someone would bring in a, a technology expert that would talk about the latest trends or AMD or uh, Intel would talk about the latest trends in, in technology. And so we would, we would bring everyone together. We would share, we would learn. Um, and then we would network afterwards. So we'd have a, um, a cocktail hour after the, the meeting, uh, which was fantastic. So, you know, there was, there was really the, the things that, that attracted me to CompTIA and keep me attracted to CompTIA are, are the networking, the education, the thought leadership. And then CompTIA is a certification body that uh, provides certifications to the industry in things like cybersecurity, uh, project management, technology fundamentals, IT fundamentals, A+, um, et cetera. So there's the certification and training component. And then we provide advocacy and philanthropy. So we give back to the community, giving back to the community by helping um, uh, minorities um, or um, helping add to uh, diversity in our, in our, our workforce. So we have funding for educational programs for um, diversity and, and lesser represented communities. 
So that's quite important. And in fact, right now, um, a little plug for CompTIA, we're working very closely with Ryerson University, and we've, we're working an intern program that um, basically um, provides uh, an introduction to the IT industry as a part of, of their curriculum uh, in the fourth year for students so that they understand what the IT industry is, what the jobs are, how the, the process works, um, how sales works, uh, how the, the, the business of IT works, and provides one um, CompTIA certification gratis to those students so that they then can enter the as an intern into the industry and be better prepared. So a, a lot of companies find that when they bring interns in, the interns are um, spending their first 90 days learning about what the industry is. They, they don't do any work. They're, they're spending the entire time sucking in knowledge. And so what we've done is we've, we've moved that into their, um, their last semester of, of their um, degree program so that when they come as an intern, they already have all that knowledge and they can hit the ground running and be productive. So we worked with the federal government, the provincial government, Ryerson University to create a program. It's called the Tech Talent Accelerator. And uh, that program is running right now. We are moving students through that and placing students into corporations. And the government is funding 50% of the cost of those interns. Um, one last plug on this, we have just, and, and so CompT has contributed hundreds of thousands of dollars to that, plus these certification um, pieces, which are valued at, you know, about $1,500 a piece um, gratis. But we're, right now, we just applied with Ryerson, um, McGill, and University of Calgary to, um, to scale this across the country. And, uh, and so we've just applied to the federal government for funding and CompTIA is contributing, um, you know, uh, about three and a half million dollars in kind of uh, value of, um, of material to that program. So exciting to, to be part of that. And, and that, that's the volunteer part that I, I'm quite proud to say I'm involved in. If somebody that is listening wants to get, learn more about that program, either to be part of it or to contribute in some way, mm -hmm. shape, or form, uh, where can I? Where can they go? What can they do? So two things: um, Tech Talent Accelerator. So you can do a Google search on Tech Talent Accelerator, Ryerson University, um, and you can go to CompTIA.org and learn more about CompTIA. So those are the two places that I would recommend a person go to get more information. Another question about CompTIA. Is there anything, because this is, I think, a, an amazing opportunity for, for young people that are about to start their, their careers. Let's say uh, someone that has been in the industry for a long time, um, uh, what's in them for, for CompTIA? How can sure, they? sure. So I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll cover the, the spectrum. So for a young person, You can join the association for free. It's, the memberships are free for student uh, memberships. Um, we, we have um, recently joined arms with the uh, with, um, Young Professional Association out of the US. They, they, they have uh, hundreds of thousands of, of student members. And, um, and so the students are welcome. For people that are in their career, it's a great place to network. 
like what I used to love about uh, going to the face-to-face meetings, which we can't do right at the moment, um, was I could go to one meeting and I could see the people from IBM, Lenovo, Dell, Cisco, um, HP, um, and a lot of my partners all in one room. And a lot of the time, you'd have an opportunity to network afterward. And so um, what better way to get your face out there and get be, be known? So, you know, when I was when I first joined, the reason I joined was because of exactly that. I didn't know my counterparts from Sun Microsystems or IBM or or um, some of these others, Toshiba, but I got, did get to know them very well. And a lot of those people became my friends over the years. Um, and and that's that's the value. That's that's what I'd encourage anyone to do is to engage. A membership for a professional to join is is I believe around two hundred and ninety nine dollars. It's not not expensive. You can come to meetings gratis, no charge um as a guest and and get the experience and see what it's like um so i'd encourage people to come and try it and uh, if you like it and you want to get the value of the research so we we do a lot of research and we publish all the research um things like um the job market in canada so it's it's called cyber provinces the report it talks about all the jobs in the different provinces by segment by sector by um, types of technology, so you can see where the job markets are hot, what specific segments are growing, which ones are declining. Uh, we publish a lot of research. That's that's all available to these people. So I'd encourage you to come, test it, um, to try it, um, and and to get engaged, volunteer. Um, you might say volunteer to do what? Well, one of the things we do also, um, Jorge, is we we look for. Um, challenges in the industry um, that that everyone has that are, are low-hanging fruit that we can solve. So one of the things that CompTIA did years ago was in, in the old days, all the manufacturers had different ways of processing their electronic or their, their warranty um, claims. So CompTIA brought together something, uh, a paper form that, it, that created one form that all the vendors adopted. Pretty, pretty straightforward, wow. right? You know, and, and in those days, you know, that um, uh, a huge advancement was carbonless paper, <laughs> you know. So, you know, we, we had a, you know, a, a earth shattering um, advance. We, we got rid of the carbon. Um, then the next step was that we, um, we, we made that electronic. The next step was we added um, the, the um, error codes. We made the error codes common. So, for example... You know, IBM's error code for uh, a, a failure of a certain type, no power or something, might have been 111. Well, Compaq's error code for that was something different. So we standardized on error codes. So we had now had a standard form. We had now had it elect, electronically produced and, and electronically submitted. We created a, a standard for the data transmission, and we created a set of standards for the, the codes. Um, huge. Huge um, volunteerism. I volunteered. To, I hosted the meetings for some of the some of the development of some of this. I hosted meetings for the development of some of the certifications, like uh, Server Plus, um, at our building in in um, in um, North York. So, you know, it's it's there's lots that uh, people can get from that. Yeah, and definitely that sounds fascinating. You were able to influence the trajectory of the industry, right? 
with absolutely those in fact some of those things were were our ideas that came from canada so server plus so one of the training you know they had a plus the basic fundamentals of pcs and 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 low end servers uh, industry standard servers um and there was no no standard for for um for servers so we had an issue in fact the, the issue was was raised in canada around the fact that uh compaq at the time and others were expanding their 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 server training to two weeks of instructor led training and uh, a lot of our partners came to us and said we can't afford to send our technicians for two weeks of training that's too expensive because we have to send them to compaq we have to send them to ibm and we have to send them to dell and you know it that and and what about hp now all of a sudden that's you know four four vendors two weeks each that's eight weeks we have have to pay that's opportunity cost and so what we we came up with was the idea of a industry standard server training that taught the commonality of what's common in these machines. So there are things that are common, you know, the bus, the SCSI, the power supplies, the the, the storage um, theory. There's a lot of things that are common memory uh, that that are they're common in these. And then there's few things that are unique. So Compaq had unique things around how they they manage their servers that's different than Dell or different than IBM. So what we did was we created a, a three-day, this is what's unique about compact training, and we standardized on the industry standard training that CompTIA offered called Server Plus. We, could, we, we provided subject matter experts to help develop that training, so we made sure that our people were involved. I hosted the meetings at at our building in, in, in Toronto, as well as IBM hosted meetings and Intel hosted meetings. And we developed the curriculum that eventually became Server Plus. And that's how the, the, the CompTIA trainings are developed, by the way, is by volunteers from the industry. And then we refresh those trainings every couple of years to make sure that they stay current. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a, a pretty cool approach and standardizing everything. Yeah. So uh, going back to, to you as a person, what is the difference or, or what are the different challenges from leading a, a non-for-profit like, like Compia and, uh, and Hewlett-Packard? Mm -hmm. Well, the financial aspect, um, you know, the not-for-profit is, yes, it, it worries about the financial aspect, but it plans and budgets differently. It isn't planning stretch goals and and pushing itself the same way that a a, um, a for profit business is. So a for profit business, who cares what you did for me yesterday or last last quarter? What are you going to do for me tomorrow and and today? And so you're constantly stretching. And so if your budget last year was 250 million, next year it's going to be plus 10 percent. In the not-for-profit world, it doesn't work that way. It's if you're if you did 250 million, uh, we'll budget 250 million for next year, and if we can improve on that, that's it's so it's a, it, it, it's it's a different approach. Um, the other the other part of it is um, in the not-for-profit world, the the money needs to be spent. So we because we don't we don't carry forward. We have 
we put money into reserves, but we don't carry forward. So we, we, we try to give the money back to the community. And that's one of the things that we, we do is we give the money back through our philanthropy and through, through some of our, um, uh, you know, endeavors around our foundation to make sure that we're, we're um, helping the, the very industry that we're, we're representing. And right now, what would be the, the, if you look at the last few years, uh, mm -hmm. Moving COVID aside, what would be the, the biggest challenge that you have faced in either one of those two type of companies and, and how you overcame it? Well, I think one of the biggest problems or, or challenges that we have is, is um, just the rate of change. Um, things are changing so quickly. Um, you know, somebody said it really well fairly recently, and that was, um, and, and a friend of mine, I won't say his name, but... He said, "If we were selling, if we were selling uh, uh, cars, we'd, and we were selling Ferraris, um, we'd be we'd be selling them for a dollar, because um, the the decline, the price performance has 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 gone up performance wise, and prices come down, and um, and so the 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 situation we're in is is." Um, the economics that used to exist don't exist today. So, for example, you know, you, you might say, well, what do you mean by that? But if, you th if you're running a, a services business, as an example, when you sold a PC that was $5,000, you could afford to have multiple service calls planned into, into the life of that, of that um, PC. Um, you could, you could afford to have it on site. You could afford to have it include all the parts. Well, today you're, you're seeing PCs in the three, $400 range. Um, so, so if you, if you went back 20 years and said, okay, compact 20 years ago, sold a PC for $5,000, they had on site warranty. The new warranty is terrible because it's not on site. It, you know, it's, it's not three years or five years like it used to be. Um, it doesn't include all the parts, or maybe it does. Um, but the, the, the economics used to be that there was enough money there to pay for the, the technician to get in a car and drive. And the company that was doing that work, it, it, whether it was Compact themselves or whether it was a partner, um, could live on the 80 or $100 that they would get paid. So today with inflation, that 80 or $100 you would think would have expanded to $150. Um, well, it hasn't. It's, if anything, it's gone down. And so the economics are, are you know, the, the partners are saying, I, I can't send a guy in a car uh, on site for $80 or $70. It, the gas costs that much, <laughs> much less parking or wherever. So the, the biggest challenge is companies trying to figure out how to, how to change their model to a, to a, evolve to this new and, and you know I'm using the PC example out of simplicity you know the same thing applies to whether it's a enterprise class server the, the server that was a hundred thousand or a million dollars is now a hundred thousand the server that was a hundred thousand is now ten thousand you know it, it, it that problem exists across the industry so reinventing ourselves um, as a business to comprehend those changes, And communicating that to our customers so our customers understand, because that's where the biggest disconnect is. The business people understand it. 
from the, from the OEMs and, and from the partners, it's the customers that, that don't understand it. They're saying, hey, I spent this, you know, I used to have this. How come I don't have that anymore at that level of support? And so, um, so that's a big, big challenge because communicating that message is, is a two-edged, two-edged sword, right? Um, you tell the customer they're not going to get it, which is what you need to do to say, hey, here's what service level comes with this new product. And the customer goes, well, I'm not going to buy it then because because I want this. So 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 the tendency is for people not to tell the customer what they're going to get and leave it up to the customer to make sure they understand themselves. And so it's a it's a two edged sword. Yeah, it's definitely a complicated world. It is. And and if you look into the future, what makes you excited of the possibilities? Something that you're looking forward to happen, what would that be? Well, technology has enabled uh, so many things, like you know, even what we're doing here today. But um, you know, if you think about the future of of technology support, uh, as an example, um, video uh, capabilities have enabled just in time support. So, so for example. Um, there, there are technologies out there that would show you in a video screen with your product overlaid into real-time video, it would show you how to connect the cables. Oh, it's like, oh, you've got a cable problem. Um, let's put your camera around the back of your machine and we can see the, 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 the cables are in the wrong slots and we can electronically show you which one to unplug and where to plug it. Um, that that's exciting. There's some exciting technologies that are coming that um, are giving customers, um, you know, to solve the problem that I was describing a few minutes ago, give the customer um, lowest cost support that has um, high touch and high availability. So electronic tools that enable them to get remote support. So they don't have to wait for a technician to come on site. They can do it themselves. They have this video, these video tools that will show them what to do, how to get, take the part out, how to put it in, that will show them how to configure it, that will show them all this, um, all available at, a, at their fingertips without having to go to a human and wait in line to speak to a human. You can get all of this electronically, um, just in time, and, 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 and be self-service. And uh, so you keep the cost low, you're not waiting, um, that, that's the exciting thing. So the technology, you know, and, and beyond that, there's things self-healing. Um, so, you know, you, you provide extra memory or you provide extra disk or you provide extra capabilities and, you know, multiple processors. So that processor fails, you just shift over to another processor. There's, there's all these technologies that are, are available, um, in the world of supercomputing, it's it's so exciting what's what what uh, companies are able to do in high performance compute today. Um, it, it it's amazing. Quantum computing is is uh, right at the at our fingertips, um, which will bring uh, capability to do um, um, calculations that that today would take a year can be done in you know, two minutes on some of these computers, um, which is amazing. So it gives us the ability to to model things that we've never been able to model. 
to anticipate um, and be prepared back to the, the point of preparedness, um, which is which is exciting. So I really am looking forward to what that is all bringing. The the spread of the Internet um, is spreading education, um, which is bringing new workers into the workforce from all over the world, places that, that never um, were able to uh, contribute in the past. And so that's uh, the world is changing very quickly and, and technology is enabling that. And I think that makes a strong case to network in, in, in places like CompTIA, right? Where you can yes. keep up to speed with everything that is changing. Because you never know. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, you, this is a place where you can learn about those things. You know, we have, we have communities that are focused on drones. And you might say, drones, what has that got to do with, with anything? Well, one of our board members um, is the CIO of SNC Landvin. Um, and they use drones um, in, their, in their building construction to survey sites, to survey um, highways, to survey a number of things, to, with LIDAR to, to look um, below the forest and, and look at the land below um, the drones are, are very interesting. We have a NASA um, uh, uh, council that works with NASA on, on what they're doing. Uh, we have councils that are involved in a number of things, AI, uh, blockchain, uh, machine learning, um, you name it. There, there are councils working all these things and providing um, information back um, and so as a board, we're very lucky because we have all these subject matter experts um, that are very deep in these um, areas, bringing this information back. But we share that with our membership. We share that through research. We share that through presentations at these, at these meetings, which is, um, which is very exciting. So all it takes is joining and going to comptia.org. That's right. Joining. That's right. And I, like I said, you, you can come yeah. and try it. It's free. Cool. No, that's amazing. We're coming up to, to, to the end of this podcast, but a couple of more questions. What's next for you? Well, I, I am continuing to work with CompTIA. I've got a couple more years in my term um, uh, as uh, ex-officio chair. I'll be moving from chairman of the board to, to ex-officio chair, which, which means I'll be mentoring the, the new chair. And... Um, leading the leadership development committee and a few other things. Um, so I'm, I'll continue to do my um, not-for-profit work. I um, am mentoring a few individuals. Um, so I'll continue to, to do that and, and work in the industry. So um, yeah, you'll hear lots from me in the, in the next while. Um, it's exciting times. Uh, technology is moving quickly. Um, I think there, there's a, uh, a lot to be done, and um, companies uh, companies need help out there. Uh, like I said, you know things are changing very quickly, and uh, we need people looking out at, strategically uh, forward at how how technology is going to change our business and how we can adapt that technology and adapt our business uh, to leverage that technology to to our our, our best ends. Yeah, it's like an ever moving puzzle. Right, all the pieces are changing frequently, and you need somebody who's capable of having that vision to know where it goes and how to get the best out of it. 
That's that's right. And uh, I think that um, um, having that 50,000 foot view and being connected to thought leadership in these various areas is so critical um, to understand what's going on in education, to understand what's going on in technology, what's going on in supercomputing, blockchain, you know, AI, ML, and bring all that together into, okay, how can this all play together um, is key. Yeah. Well, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't in the last few minutes? If there's something that I should have asked you that I missed. Okay. Um, let me think. Um, I think that um, there are things that um, that you're going to find difficult in your career. Um, and, and you have to work at them. You have to make an effort. So some so networking, as an example, um, I'm not the most outgoing person. I rate myself as maybe a bit on the introverted side. You have to push yourself to reach out to people. You have to push yourself to make that connection. You have to push yourself to learn how to find things in common with people so that, that um, you can connect. And, and that may not be natural to your um, personality. It may not feel natural, but you look at the people that are really, really good at it. Um, and, and they have figured out how to build relationships by pushing themselves to, to uh, ask questions, to build, to build those relationships. And, um, and if you, you know, a great example are the, the very best salespeople the very best salespeople have relationships with their customers, their customers' wives. They know their customers' children. They know the customer. They know their, you know, what, where their cottage is. They know what days they go to the cottage. They, they know all this stuff. Well, how did they find out? By asking. And, and um, you know, I've been in meetings with some of the very best salespeople, and I've been blown away by how bold their questions are and how personal they are. And I wouldn't personally have never done that or said that or asked that because I'm not comfortable with that, but they are. And so my, my point is push yourself beyond your comfort zone um, to, to build those relationships and, and, um, and, and, and learn from that because uh, that's how you will get ahead. Um, and it, it's, it's something that I think that, uh, um, I've struggled with over the years and, and, and had to push myself. And I think you, if you ask a lot of the, your, your, your members, they'll probably tell you the same thing. Oh, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, you, you better get comfortable doing that, that if you want to, if you want to proceed. Yeah, it, it's, that's a very good point because we need to be aware of our own uh, personality traits that are holding mm -hmm. us back, right? To where we right. want to go. And yeah. That little voice <laughs> in the back of your head that says, I can't do it. And it's like, yes, you can. You have to shut that voice down and you have to think positively and push yourself because uh, the only thing stopping you is you. Yeah, that is so true. It's know yourself and the sky is the limit. That's right. Yeah. One last question. In your own words, how would you define an unstoppable leader? I would say um, someone that is 
constantly learning, expanding their skills, and never gives up. Someone that makes uh, the same investment in their team so that they're all pulling in that same direction that I talked about earlier, supporting one another such that any one person can fail, but the team never fails. Uh, A leader who, when that person fails, dusts them off and supports them uh, to, to get it right. And, you know, one of the things that I think is, is so important is that um, leadership is not perfection. Um, my approach has always been getting 85% right and course correct. Um, if you demand perfection, you will fail. Um, you need to demand um, as, as, as good as you can get and then course correct. So, um, you know, I think a leader who is um, successful is a leader whose team is unstoppable because of those traits of working together and supporting one another and and course correcting and accepting failure um, and then course correcting again. Course correcting. That's the name of the game, right? That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Well, uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, this has been a great conversation with Gordon. And Gordon, thank you for being here and sharing your insights. Uh, and everyone, uh, uh, take a look at CompTIA.org. There's a lot of great information in there worth taking a look. And until next time, take care, everyone. Once again, thanks, Gordon. Thank you, Jorge. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Unstoppable Leaders Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. You can also grab a copy of our framework for increased productivity for leaders. It's called The Five Elements, Foundations of Success. And you can get it for free at lmiadvantage.com forward slash elements. Inside the framework, you will find five elements on which to build the foundation to consistently move the needle every day, every week to achieve more, do more and become more. Once again, it's lmiadvantage.com forward slash elements. Let this be a reminder for you to be unstoppable in business and life. See you next time.